I like birth plans that go like this. I am a reasonable, intelligent human being. Before anything is done to me, I would like to have it be a discussion, period. That can be your birth plan. Hello, I'm Carolyn, and this is What Doulas Know. I am a doula, the mother of two, and for over 40 years, a registered nurse. My goal is to educate, support, and empower before, during, and after pregnancy with a special emphasis on labor and childbirth. All information presented in this podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not intended as medical diagnosis or treatment. The persons presenting the episodes are not licensed doctors. You should consult a qualified medical professional before making any decisions regarding your health, including any decisions based on information presented here. Today's episode on what doulas know talks about birth plans. We're going to explore the birth plan document and learn how to individualize your own. So we will also have links on the What Doulas Know website for information and templates. I'm joined today again with April Klein. She's the founder and creator of Birth with Spirit Doula Certification Program. She is a doula, a certified midwife, teacher, author, mother, um, and additional credentials are listed on the website. So April's helping me with several episodes, so be sure to check them out. So April... When people come to you and ask you to be their doula and you start thinking about a birth plan, what does that mean to them? So I think it means a different thing to my clients than it does to me when we first start. And there's a conversation that happens where we end up coming together on the same page. I think oftentimes people have done some Googling and they have found some templates and they think that it's a really good idea to drop an in-depth birth plan, all in capital letters, that they will hand to their care provider, and then the care provider will ensure that all of the things on the birth plan happen. Not. Not so much. (laughs) Not in my experience. In fact, I hate to tell you this, but what I often see is that the birth plan ends up out at the nurse's station and is kind of laughed at. So not to dis nurses and other care providers, but they end up laughing because they understand that birth is not something you just drop a plan for and it goes the way it's supposed to go. It has a mind of its own. It is really complex and every little thing impacts every little thing next to it. And it almost never ends up looking like the plan. So for me, the way I discuss it with my clients is a birth plan is a rough idea of what my preferences would be if I could call the shots. Okay. Yeah. So I have a birth plan template that I use. It's about eight pages long. And I encourage my clients, you're laughing, Ah! eight pages. On that is every single possible thing that I can think of after 18 years of doing this that someone might have a preference about. I do not encourage my clients to drop an eight-page birth plan. I encourage them to write up basically a one-page at most birth plan. But you want to go through all of those other discussions together so that you are all on the same page and so that they can then figure out what are the most important things to them that they want to draw their care provider's attention to. This is true whether it's a home birth, a birth center birth, or a hospital birth. 
you want to have all of those discussions beforehand. I think, too, it helps familiarize yeah. the woman. Yeah. I was recently doing a birth plan uh, consult with one of my clients, and she was totally overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. She said, I didn't know I had so many choices. Yeah. And I also didn't know all this was going to happen. She yes. said, why doesn't someone tell us all this? Yeah. I said, well, that's why I'm here. What was one of the biggest examples? She didn't know that she could choose whether she ate mm-hmm. or not. Um, she's heard so many things about you can't have anything to eat or drink because mm-hmm. if you have anesthesia. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't know that she could control the environment mm-hmm. with the bring in your own music, have mm-hmm. dimness of the mm-hmm. lights. Um, mm-hmm. There were just a lot of things that she was surprised that she could control because I think she is she is 30 now, and I think the stories that she has heard from the mothers that are now in their 60s mm-hmm. is we were out of control because people chose when to start a Pitocin or when to start the epidural and when we were going to push and what position right. we were going to push. And I think it was surprising to her to know that she – could make the decision. This is a hugely crucial point. Every single thing is your choice. Every single thing is your choice. You have hired the institution and the care provider to be your educated, experienced consultants. But ultimately, it's your choice. Now, that being said, you have to way which hills you want to die on Uh and you have to understand that you're taking responsibility into your own hands for whatever choice you're making and most people aren't willing to do that and most care providers don't practice true informed consent anymore unfortunately which would say this is what i'm offering to you i would like to do a vaginal exam now these are the pros and cons of that these are some of the things that could happen with that your water might break even though I didn't mean to, your cervix might not like being messed with, it might actually close somewhat, you might feel some triggers of old trauma. You know, those things are not laid out and then it's not, sh- um, it's not offered as an option, it's offered as, as a, we're doing this now. I'm going to do your vaginal exam. If it's a, if it's a lovely in-tune care provider, they might say, once this contraction is over, I'm going to do your vaginal exam so we can see where you are. Right. I had a very wise uh, prenatal yoga teacher mm. uh, talk to me about different interventions and choices during um, the labor and how to incorporate that into your birth plan. And one of the acronyms she used was BRAIN. Mm-hmm. The B is for benefit. Mm-hmm. Does this benefit me and the baby? R is for risks. What risks are involved? Is my labor going to stop? Is my labor going to speed up? Is there a chance for infection? The alternatives, I think many times the mm-hmm. healthcare providers are, as we talked before, on a time limit. And mm-hmm. so they're like, well, we need to get your, you, we need to get going on this. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a question you can always ask is, what are the alternatives? Mm-hmm. What else could we do? Can I change positions? Can I do this? Um, and then use your intuition. The I is for intuition. A woman knows. The body knows. And so we need to listen a little more carefully sometimes to Mm -hmm. ourselves and trust that our intuition is right on. 
And then N is the next step. Mm-hmm. What What is the next step that is the best for me and for my baby in order to make this process easier and more comfortable? Sure. So two thoughts I have on what you just said, which is excellent. The first is that one thing doulas know is that it's almost always okay to suggest to the client, why don't you ask for a minute, right? This is not something that most people who don't have a doula to help them navigate will even think to do, is to just say to the care provider who's offering or suggesting without a whole lot of suggestion that this next thing happen is, I would like a minute to think this over and talk to my spouse about it. Is that okay? Right? And then you have a few minutes, and then the decision is your decision. It's a very different thing to have someone come at you and say, I'm doing this to you, or to you, or to have you say, give me a minute, and then you come to the conclusion that that is the right next step, and then you ask them to come in and do that thing. That is a very different scenario for the body, right? Yes. Much more powerful for the person who's giving birth. The second thing is that my goal as a doula is very different oftentimes than the care provider's goal. Their goal is to get the baby out and the baby to be alive and healthy. My goal is that the baby be out and healthy and the mom be healthy in every aspect, not just physically healthy. And that trajectory can look very different. So the scenario where the woman calls the provider back in to do the next thing, even if it's the thing that was suggested, she's the one calling the shots. That makes for a much healthier human being on the backside of this process than being done to. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast series Mm -hmm. and become a doula is the many, many women out there that I felt were not empowered in their process and to realize the beauty of the labor and the birth and not to be afraid that it's a natural process. It is a natural process. It's not an easy process always. Sometimes it is. Some people experience it as pretty pretty easy, but most people don't. And the power comes from doing something really, really hard and triumphing, right? It's a hero's journey. And you can't get the benefit of feeling like a hero if you don't go through the dark valley, right? Mm -hmm. But no one should have to go through that dark valley alone. It's really hard to see down there. It's super dark. So if you have a doula with a flashlight, why would you not use her, right? Yeah. So where does this birth plan live after we kind of get it done? Yeah. We um, talk about uh, in my... The birth plan that I have from Mm -hmm. your template, Mm -hmm. you talk about the environment, the mobility, hydration, food and drink, monitoring preferences, uh, pain relief timing and comfort measures, um, how to augment the labor Mm -hmm. process, um, choice of positions, different things like that. And so you touched on the fact that the birth plan ideally would be read by the care providers. Mm -hmm. So do I put a but do I put a copy in my bag right. to take with me and then give it to my midwife or my physician before 
the process ever starts so that he has one, she has one on the chart. Exactly. So the optimal thing to do is to keep it to about a page. And what you want to do is you want to think through what your care provider's normal process is. If you know that your care provider always puts the baby up on the mom's chest unless there's a serious problem, then you don't need to put that in your birth plan because that's going to happen unless you specify otherwise. So stripping it down to things that are actually different than what the institution or the care provider's normal is, is what you're looking for. Now, do you need to talk through the whole eight pages? Probably because like you found out, you're opening up huge conversations around things that most people don't even know are things to be discussed. But stripping it down to just those really core differences, right? So I like birth plans that go like this. I am a reasonable, intelligent human being. Before anything is done to me, I would like to have it be a discussion, period. That can be your birth plan. Yeah. That being said, in the birth plan, if you would like to eat and drink and labor and you are planning to be in a hospital environment to give birth, that is something that is institutionally mandated, not just care provider mandated. So a doula who has some experience will know that and will say to you, you need to get this in your chart so that when the nurse opens your chart, it's right there and they don't have to say, well, the, the doctor didn't say that you could do that, so you can't. And you say, well, he said I could, or she said I could. And they say, well, we're going to have to call them. And then they forget because they have to go do a delivery. And then two hours go by. And then they finally call the doctor. And the doctor finally gets back to them. And it's now been three or four hours later. And your blood sugar has tanked. And all along, you were totally fine to eat and drink, right? Or you're sneaking it and feeling kind of bad that you're being sneaky behind the scenes, right? Yeah. So that can all be avoided if you're smart and you bring that birth plan with just the most important things that are departures to your care provider at one of your, you know, 34-week visits or 36-week visit or whatever, and have them enter those things into your chart. So if I'm in the middle and I, my nurse looks down at my plan and says, oh, it says you're going to do this, and mm -hmm. you say, mm, never mind, mm -hmm. I can't do that. Mm -hmm. That's perfectly fine. It is your prerogative. You may do anything that you want at any time. Yeah. So I think that... Even though the birth plan is there, it is only a guideline. Yes. And it does not have to be followed exactly because um, this is not an exact no. journey. You say, I'm going to diffuse lavender when my contractions are four minutes apart and you hit four minutes apart and the last thing on God's green planet you want to smell is lavender. Please don't diffuse lavender. Yeah. Yes. So since you said that, and we can change our mind. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. mm -hmm. How do we talk to a woman that is in this state? Mm -hmm. Because they don't always have the ability to make a decision now. Right. And I think that's the beauty of the birth plan is it gives you um, a guideline now so that you don't have to make a decision when you are in that state. Of, Absolutely. Of, I I Personally, for me, it was mm -hmm. an outer body experience. Yes. So that is one way to go through labor, right? Birthing out of the body is one way to go through it. And I see a lot of people do that. I really like helping people be in their bodies as much as possible. But that is a different type. It's almost like an out of body by going through the body. 
the bottom line is it's still a different head. Mm-hmm. It's We call it labor land, right? You're in labor land. And I have a goal as a doula to help people stay there and not have to come up out of there unless it's absolutely necessary. I talk to my people prenatally about that, and I set it up in advance and say, when you are in labor, when you are giving birth, you are a different person. You're a different person in a different place, and I want you to stay there unless there's a big decision that needs to be made, in which case I'm going to come up close to you and I'm going to say, hey, I need you to come up into your head for a minute and help me think this through. And then you can go right back where you were. So if you set it up in advance, then they know. And they know that their job is to come up just for a moment and get a breath and make a decision, and then they can go right back in. Coming up and out and staying out is not a good scenario for for a good, powerful birth. Right? Does that yeah. make sense? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But setting it up beforehand, that that's the expectation, is really important. So once again, if you want to write your own birth plan or have some ideas, there are examples and templates uh, on our website. And any doula should be able to give you some criteria and help you with this so that there are um, support in your decisions and that you feel like you made them in a time that you could make a really, really healthy decision with your um, person that's going to be with you. So this is another episode of What Doulas Know, and thank you again, April. It was my pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of What Doulas Know. You can learn more about the show and my guests at whatdoulasknow.com. Please rate and review this show. It helps get more exposure and reach additional people. Peace to all. Thanks. Thanks.